Hi everyone, welcome to another podcast of Fashion of Police. In this podcast, not only do we talk about fast fashion, sustainability, or the ways of fashion, but we also talk about lifestyle, creativity, anything that is inextricably linked to fashion, because we're fashion lovers, right? I'm Anne, or you can call me Sophie, that's my English name. And today is my pleasure to have our special guest, Ms. Stephanie Bay. Ms. Stephanie Bay is the founder and designer of Stephanie B, which is her own jewelry store. Her creations are both traumatic and classic, intricate and understated, witty and extremely wearable, and HP features only precious and semi-precious stones, only gold and silver findings. In addition to creating distinctive jewelry, Miss Bay expresses her love of design in a variety of other ways. She has contributed to Chicago's fashion industry for several years as an associated professor in the market, fashion marketing and management departments of several local colleges. And Miss Bay has co-authored two books. The first one is award-winning in an influential fashion an encyclopedia of the 20th century designers and retailers who transformed dress. And the second one is The Why of Dubai, which is my favorite one. Um, is there anything else you want to tell our listeners? I, I think you've covered recent history. That's that's fine. That sounds good. She sounds really great, Miss Bay. Thank you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it's, it's really nice to meet you. Like I'm extremely happy and excited right now. Um, before we start, I want to like talk a little bit earlier in, in your career. I want to know why did you decide to work in the fashion industry? Well, um, you know, I had um, uh, I was getting my master's degree in psychology, and yeah. I began to realize that fashion is such a method of self-expression mm. that I you agree. can really tell a lot about a person. Mm. Um, by what he or she is wearing. And um, also I realized that, that fashion is such a big part of culture and history and all that stuff. So put mm -hmm. that all together. And that's why I decided to focus on fashion. Okay. Um, and uh, what is your fashion philosophy? Ah, fashion philosophy. Okay. Well, I, I uh, that's a hard one. I think maybe it's that you should try to wear and enjoy everything no matter what the occasion is. In other words, don't save things. Mm. Don't save things uh, because if you're saving them, that means you probably really didn't need them. And today it's very important to only buy, I think, what you love and what you need. And so that's really my, my philosophy is that everything should be wearable. And if you want to wear something that sparkles down to breakfast, you should do that. Um, that's kind of it. Yeah, that everything is everything is wearable and, and it's self-expression. So you should do what makes you feel good. We have the last question before we move on to the question about the fashion industry. Um, and uh -huh. that question is, what is the most important moment in your career and how has it changed you? Are you oh, how is, what, blah, blah, blah. Let's see. Um, I think the most important moment in my career was when I started to teach people about the importance of fashion. Because um, a lot of people undervalue fashion as a driving force in our society. And you know, since fashion employs the most people of any other industry all over the world, 
I would say that's pretty important. So it's not <clears throat> only frivolous. Um, and when I realized that, and I was able to share that with with students, that that was probably the best moment. Okay, so this is our first question about the fashion industry. Um, are you ready? I am ready. What is your what What are your opinions on the fashion industry in the twenty first century, and how has how has it changed? Well, it's changed in so many ways, and yet a lot of it is the same. You know, there's a, a saying about how the more things change, the more they remain the same. And that's true about the fashion industry, I think. In the 21st century, mm, I think um, some of the most important steps forward have been in textiles and fabrics um, because uh, that's really what gives a new look to a, to a, a garment. You know, as, as long as we are born with two arms, two legs, most of us, and one head, um, there can only be so many silhouettes or shapes in fashion. But all of these things are enhanced by fabrics. Um, also, I think uh, shopping has become a pastime for many people. And that has contributed in a positive way to industry, but also in a very negative way as well, which I'm sure we'll discuss. So, um, and I think that also, also culture um, is playing more of a role in fashion than ever before, because we have a global culture. And so we're all influencing one another. And uh, all those things are really signs of, uh, you know, the 21st century fashion. Uh, there are ma many more things, but um, th those I would say are, are key. The 21st century has a lot of things that is going around. And one of it is um, fast fashion, and I want to know your opinion on this, like, on this problem, on fast fashion. Well, you know, I could get going for an hour just talking about fast fashion and its, its, um, its implications. Um, but let me just say this, that the, the fashion industry, as I'm sure most of your listeners know, is the second largest polluter in the world. The first largest polluter is the oil industry. Um, and so the environmental damage that fashion, the fashion industry does increases as the industry grows. And fast fashion has compounded this uh, problem. And the industry's contribution to global pollution and environmental hazards of all kinds um, is not a good thing. And also, I think uneducated, um, sorry about that, uneducated consumers consider fashion to be disposable. And all of this uh, is really, it's a problem. And fast fashion has just exacerbated all of this. You know, there are something like 8,000 different chemicals that are used in the textile industry uh, to turn raw materials into fabric and 25% of the world's pesticides are used to grow non-organic cotton. 
So this causes irreversible damage to people and the environment. And um, still much of the, well, actually a majority of the, of a garment's carbon footprint will occur after it's purchased. So the average American, for example, I don't know how this is in Vietnam, but the average American throws away nearly 70 pounds of clothing per year. 70 pounds. Okay, that is really, um, that's, that is such a huge problem that needs to be tackled. And again, poor fast fashion, um, that industry has really been a culprit. You know, uh, it's predicted that the fast fashion industry is going to reach over $2 trillion in sales by 2025, $2 trillion. That's, that's amazing. You know, the average consumer buys 60% more clothing items a year than they used to and keeps uh, them for about half as long. So huge volume of waste. That's the primary contribution of the fast fashion industry. Um, and you know what? In Vietnam, like we don't throw or close away, but like we, we give yeah. it to our younger sister and then the younger sister give it to the younger sister, like until sure. the clothes are not wearable and we use this to like clean our home or table and yeah. Well, see, that's so, that's terrific. But I'm afraid that Western cultures like mine, um, are not, you know, they don't like the idea of hand-me-downs. That's what we call them, hand-me-down clothing. Um, they used to, we used to do that all the time. But again, one of the products of fast fashion, one of the results of it, I, why do we have to do that? Why can't we just buy new? It's so inexpensive. So that's a problem. But I, I love that tradition in Vietnam that you, that you don't waste clothing. Oh, but um, unfortunately, in America, it's a terrible problem, and in Europe as well. The next question is that, um, what do you think about the waste of fashion, about the reasons or the repercussions? Of, of, fashion, of waste? The waste of well, fast fashion. Yes, yes. Well, you know what fast fashion has done? It's really created, um, I would say, clothing addicts. Do you know what an addict is? A-D-D-I-C-T. It's like, we can't stop. Okay, well, that, that means a person who can't stop. You can be addicted to food. You can be addicted to medicine of some kind. You can be addicted to clothing. That fast fashion has created consumers that are really addicted to buying a lot at low prices. You know, I mean, I hate to blame every problem on fast fashion because yeah. you know it, it sounds so awful like all of a sudden something that people love is going to turn into something that people hate and that's that's not really a, a great way to look at things but the truth of the matter is that you know the low prices are what tempts people how is it in vietnam i mean do you have a lot i don't remember seeing a lot of fast fashion stores. I, I remember going to small boutiques where you choose your fabric and you have something made for you. Yeah. But do you have a lot of fast fashion in, in Ho Chi Minh City, for example? 
Yes, absolutely. Like people in my place really love Zara and H&M. Like they go and buy it every week or even every day. Right, right. See, that, that's an addict, you know. And um, the, the worst part of the whole thing is that one of the ways that fashion, that fast fashion has been able to produce so quickly um, such dangerous stuff is their use of synthetic fabrics which of course is one of the biggest polluters, you know? For example, I have some notes here that if you don't mind, I just wanted, I, I didn't know this myself, but polyester, for example, which is a fabric used, you know, um, emits almost three times more carbon dioxide in its, life, in its life cycle than cotton does, okay? So polyester is actually used in 60% of today's it can take decades for polyester to degrade, you know, degrade. Yes. Yeah. You know what that means? I mean, it's just, it means that if you, it can't be recycled. So it has to be put into landfills and it takes, you know, decades to degrade and about 21 million tons of polyester is used in an average year to make clothing. So that's really scary, you know, and fast fashion, unfortunately, you know, the very thing that I said was so uh, helpful to keep fashion new is at the same time, the very thing that is polluting the planet. So it's really something we have to look at and figure out how to stop it. Soon, as soon as possible. Like in Vietnam, uh, we use a lot, lot, like we use a huge amount of polyester and conventional yes. cotton. For ethnic minorities, they use um, traditional, you know, they, they use or organic cotton. Like they mm -hmm. use, use organic cotton, which is like um, more eco-friendly than conventional cotton. But then right. because of the market, because of the low price, and people start to use um, conventional cotton and polyester. Mm -hmm. And it's all over the market because the low price. Yes. And then um, about fast fashion frame in, in, in my country, um, people mm -hmm. love Zara and H&M, not only oh, because they have like they are of high quality than other clothes in our country because you know like local brands in my country Vietnamese local brands is much more lower than those of Zara or H&M then it's like oh, a business cycle yeah of course of course well it makes sense because they're made locally you know so and the, they're sourced locally the the cotton and everything so of course but I know young people are kind of getting away from more traditional things. They want the Zara, the H&M, they want the fun. You know, that's the culture today, that global culture. And we have to do something about it. What will you talk to customers who recklessly and freely buy clothes without realizing the repercussions of fast fashion? Well, you know, that's really a hard one. First of all, because I am not selling clothing myself. I'm probably not the right person to ask. I used to sell clothing. I used to have a chain of stores and I manufactured my own <clears throat> clothing line for many years. <clears throat> and at that time, it wasn't a concern. It was, you know, around 1990. So people were starting to talk about pollution, but the fashion industry, the, the biggest problem back then that people focused on 
was the labor problems, were the labor problems. In other words, that um, fashion uses very inexpensive labor in poor areas to produce quickly. And that was the focus of how bad the fashion industry is. We didn't really think about uh, pollution from fabrics at that point. So, um, you know, so what advice would I have for people? You know, I think in general, we just have to educate people. And I think it's happening. It's happening now. People are becoming much more aware. Um, but we have to start when, pe when children are young, explaining to them about waste and pollution. And it's very hard to change habits later in life. Some people change them. Some people are willing to change. But if you told one of your friends who wasn't really aware what was happening, do you think it would change her habits or his habits? What do you think? Actually, I have a page, like it's called Fashion Police on, on Facebook. And I do write some content on that page about fast fashion and sustainability and about fashion. Um, if they really pay attention to that content and if they like really they feel they're a part of the process and they feel like they can't really do something and they feel like it's their choice and it's their responsibility, then I think they are ready to change. But if they think they're not of the process and they think like fashion is just about clothes, why don't I have to like, why, why do I have to care about environment or that's like, or other stuff? And then they don't really, you know, want to change. I think so. That's right. So, so, you know, I, I, there are two parts to it. And one is the education and starting young. I mean, it's a process and it's a long process. It will not change overnight, but there are many of these fashion, these fast fashion organizations are joining uh, together and trying to change things. Like for example, do you have Lululemon? Do you have Lululemon in Vietnam? No, Lululemon? No. Um, let, let me do a search because- a search? Um, okay. okay. It's L-U-L-U. L-E-M-O-N. Okay. Oh, <laughs> we have Lululemon in Vietnam. You do? Yeah, we have it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They are, that company is now offering a repair service on its clothing. So instead of throwing out something, if it rips or tears, you can bring it back. And for a very small price, They'll fix it for you. That is a big deal, right? Okay. And there are other organizations that um, even I think Interdex, which is, I think that's the parent company of Zara, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they they are trying along with um, groups like here, for example. And this may be something that your um, friends or your fellow students or your fashionopolis uh, club might want to look into, okay? There are groups um, that are dedicated to educating people about sustainable fashion, okay? One of them is called Detox, Detox My Fashion, Detox My Fashion. 80 companies, 80, have taken the pledge to phase out the use of hazardous chemicals. Wow. Do you see it? Detox my fashion. Okay. There's another one. 
the Center for Sustainable Fashion. Center for Sustainable Fashion. Right. It's a research center at the London College of Fashion. And perhaps you can do something, not you, but, you know, your group yeah. can go to a college or university in Ho Chi Minh City or in somewhere in Vietnam and get them to start a, um, you know, a, a branch of that organization. Okay, so that's at the London uh, College of Fashion. There's also one called Solidaridad. Now, I can I can email these all to you if you're interested. Would that be okay? Yes, that is amazing. Okay, because I think that that would be easier for you than looking this all up. But anyway, they are a group that works to make the cotton supply chain more sustainable. They begin with farmers, teach them more sustainable practices for watering, harvesting, planting, and then they continue on. You know, okay, there's another one, uh, Trade, T-R-A-I-D. They are dedicated to um, increasing clothing reuse and funding development, pro uh, funding development projects, really, to improve the textile industry and educate people. They have 1,500 locations in Europe for people to donate their clothes. Now, you could do that. Fashionopolis could do that. They could get, right, get Ho Chi Minh State to help them set up drop-off spots where people can drop their old clothing, okay, instead of just throwing them in the garbage can. That's something you could do. And there's still another, and there are many, many more. But this last one is the Waste and Resource Action Program, called RAP for short, W-R-A-P. And it encourages companies to follow the examples of companies like Patagonia, um, and as I said, Lululemon, which offer repairs on things. Now, there are many companies also that are strictly um, working to decrease addictive buying, like uh, Eileen Fisher. Have you ever heard of her, Eileen Fisher? I'll, I'll send all this to you. Okay, thank you. Okay, and thought clothing and uh, reformation, tons of, of just sustainable fashion brands now that are available to young people. Very exciting. So anyway, I, as I said, I will send these to you and, um, you know, you can, you can look them up and possibly, as I said, wouldn't it be wonderful if Fashionopolis started a branch of some organization in Ho Chi Minh City? Wow. I think it could be terrific. Um, the next question is going to be, um, you talk about like educate people, how to encourage people to foster sustainability without making them feel annoyed. Yeah, well, um, I think setting up groups like this is one of the ways that you can encourage people. You know, um, and there are other little things that you can do, like maybe make a pin. You know, have you ever seen those those pins that say something on them, you know, and maybe you can have a pin that says something about um, fashion, recycling or whatever you're, you know, and people will wonder, what is that? And that's a way to talk to them, you know, about what your cause is. Because otherwise, just how how do you do it? You don't you can't just go up to people and say, "Excuse me, you really shouldn't be buying this stuff because it's bad for the environment." No, 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 no. Yeah, you want to engage them, yeah, right? 
So maybe a pin or maybe even something that you give to people. Like pins are very, very inexpensive to have made. You can make a thousand of them for very little money and um, give it to them and say, here, this is a gift for you. Oh, what is it? And then you can tell them. I think engaging people that way is a better way to uh, explain to them what your concerns are in a really positive way. That's a good idea, making people feel they are included. I will exactly, exactly. Yeah. Got to get one of your artists to create something that people are going to say, "What does that mean?" Ah, okay, and yeah. it could catch on. Right. <laughs> and oh my god, um, actually we actually we want to organize some workshops and then make some work products, maybe a pin or maybe like or t shirt or something, and then yeah, you know whether we should sell them or not. I mean. Or um, it is well, like ultimately, ultimately, maybe you can. I mean, if you get someone involved, you can. You know, sometimes just giving things. I mean, I know this is these are expensive undertakings for you, but you know, maybe you can go to your local. I, I don't know how things work in Vietnam, but let's say we have like aldermen here. You know what that is, an alderman, where you do you have very small, maybe chamber of commerce. Maybe do you know what a chamber of commerce is? Mm, I'm not explaining this well, but sometimes there are specific groups, like um, maybe a group of retailers, and they get together and they do things for the good of the public. If you can find out who those groups are and go to them and ask them. To finance your idea, yeah, and then because you people, you're young people. I mean, you you don't have the money to do things, but but you know, or maybe you could even go to your local H and M and tell them what your concerns are and ask them if they'd like to partner with you on getting the word out about pollution and, and textile damage and blah, blah, blah. And that will also encourage them to start behaving better. If you can partner with one of these companies, let them put in the money and you put in the work. That's how you can do it. I've never think about like collaborating with a company or anything like that. But if I could do it, like if it would be like sustainable and it would be, you know, it was so so cool and so amazing and would yeah. Be. yeah yeah I'm just here to give you ideas you know I, I don't really know what will work for you but there are so many options you know and don't spend your own money I mean that that's important you spend your time that's what's that's what's key mm-hmm. have you you can you get your school maybe to offer a course on sustainability or have a seminar or a special program where you can educate people about the problems? Um, I don't think so. Like, um, I don't know, because um, when, like, when, like, people like me, like my peers, when they want to organize where you, they want to found their own club, um, which is based on a school, like they will have to put the school name on it and there will be there will be some restrictions because like high school in Vietnam, they don't allow children to, you know, to post some negative content or right, this is fashion and art. So there will be many things that is controversial. So I don't found my club based on the school. I found it like totally free from the school. So 
I mean, offering the school to organize some courts is, I don't think it is possible or not, but okay. Yeah, okay. I would try. I would try. But not, you know, it doesn't have to be a course, but it could be a one hour program that that students could come to. And, and just in one hour, you can convey a lot of information, you know, and maybe you could even get a guest speaker because if you actually go to H&M, let's say, and they agree to work with you, you can have someone from H&M come and speak to the students about sustainability. You know, one idea creates another idea. You know, I, I know that you're restricted. What, what year are you in high school? What year? I'm a sophomore. <laughs> That's great. So you're 15? Um, are you 15? No, I'm 16. 16. Um, okay, you're 16. Okay, 16. When, well, when's your birthday? Um, my birthday is on the 22nd of October. <laughs> I knew you were I knew you were the same month as I'm the 17th of October. Oh, like How do you like that? Uh -huh. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Wow. See, there's something like about that, right? Telepathy. Right, exactly. <laughs> that is so cute. That's cool. Yeah. Do you ever consider maybe studying abroad? Have you ever considered that? Actually, at the beginning of the summer, I have plans to study abroad in the next year. Yeah. Yeah, where are you going to go? The U.S. Uh -huh. Well, maybe you want to come here to Chicago and stay with us. That's so nice. That would be so much fun, huh? Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's continue. Um, okay. Um, so the next question is, how do you define sustainability? Well, how do I define it? Okay. Um, I actually was thinking about that. How would I define it? And I did look up a few um, definitions and I kind of put together my own, you know? Um, I think that there are essentially three parts to sustainability, really. Um, economic, environmental, and social. Those are the three fronts that we have to approach sustainability on. You know, it's not just one big mush, but we have to kind of decide on a direction and go for that because you can't do it all at one time. So um, I, I think that with those three pillars in mind, sustainability really is defined as meeting the needs of the present without compromising the future. That's what sustainability is. Do you think that that's a good definition? Another fashion <laughs> philosophy to me. Yeah, that that's a, that's really, I think, what it's all about. Future generations, you know, we have to think of them. And I don't think we have been. I don't think, I don't think that my generation, you know, as much as we love our children and we want them to succeed and all that, we're not thinking of the world in which they're going to live. That's what we have to do. So that's, I would say, that's my definition. We cannot just do harm to our earth and then pass it on to the new, like the young generations and exactly. say, it's your responsibility. It's your problem, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, but, and then, you know, in each industry, I think there has to be a definition of sustainability because it's a little bit different in every industry. Yeah. But in terms of that, economic, environmental, and social, you know, the fashion industry is, has a, a special part in sustainability because we have, we have to change the system. Mm -hmm. We really have to change the system. And, um, you know, it, we have to really address the whole system of how 
how fashions are produced and not just the textiles, not just that, not just the dyes, but how about, you know, the way it is produced by whom, under what circumstances, that's, that's the economic and environmental part. And also socially, what happens to that clothing, that piece of clothing from the time it leaves the manufacturer to the time it ends up in a landfill somewhere. So it's the whole process that has to be changed. And like you said, educating people is part of it. That sustainability is a lifestyle too. Like it's the exactly. responsibility of producer and the customers. And yeah, it's a whole process. Exactly. That's the social element of it. Yes, absolutely. Okay, we're talking about sustainable fashion, but what do you think are the biggest hindrance to foster sustainable fashion? Well, again, change is always difficult for people. They hate it. Um, and, you know, depending on what culture you come from, people are a little more um, able to accept change more quickly. And in some cultures, no, change is uh, causes fear, really. So again, um, educating people is the key. And what I've found in my research is that there are, okay, like for example, when I was going to college, there were no degrees in fashion, okay? You could go to an art school and you could study fashion design, but there was no degree in fashion or anything fashion related, okay? Well, 10 years ago, there was nothing really available in sustainability. You couldn't get a degree in sustainability, but you can today. Yeah. You can actually get a degree in sustainability. There are, there are, um, I was looking this up. It's, it's amazing. There are um, several well-known colleges in the United States, for example, yeah. that are actually giving um, degrees to people. And um, the Duke University, Cornell, the University of Michigan, Washington University, Northwestern University, these are some of the finest colleges. And they are actually offering degrees in sustainability. That's incredible. So uh, I think this is what's going to change people's thinking. There are going to be people out there working specifically to achieve these goals. So that's really, uh, everything comes back to education and educating people in a way that doesn't frighten them, yeah. you know, because it's, again, very difficult for people to change their habits. Very difficult. You know, you have, you live in a country that's completely based on traditions, right? Yeah. Tradition is so important to the Vietnamese people. Yeah. And that's why yeah, and that's why many people still wear traditional clothing on the streets. Yeah, you know. We're, yeah, we're and you don't want to lose that. Vietnamese people wear oh yeah, we, like we wear just or traditional costume, um, mm -hmm. like it's a long dress, 
usually like students for students is white is a white mm -hmm. dress dress with a long sleeve and then we wear it every monday when we go to school or even in some school we wear it like for the entire week it's just uh -huh. like a tradition and we don't want to lose it no you don't and see that that's hard but you want to be part of the global culture too when you're a teenager you know you want to dress in zara or whatever it is so it's a hard balance you know to achieve but again i think like i've said 10 times already education is you know that's what the key is because people will begin to make informed decisions once they're informed i, I think so i think i think there's a good future for sustainability i, I do i think that's the way we're going to go especially in fashion i think the fashion industry really is beginning to understand that so you're going to go into that industry at just the right time to make a big impact promising yeah what is inspiring oh you know talking with you i received so much inspiration and motivation like to love well, fashion talking more. with talking with you i receive a lot of inspiration because i see that you're so determined and i know that there are many young people who are as determined as you are and that's what it that's what it takes that's what it takes to create a movement Oh, that's really nice of you to say so. And, you know, I think when, when my group, they hear what you say about fashion populism, about me and about like us, it would be so, so like inspired and yeah. And be optimistic. Yes, I think you have to be optimistic otherwise, but you have to also be patient. Patience and optimism. And I think everything will definitely be okay. Fashion is, um, apart from Zara, a lot of prints and designers are trying to minimize fast fashion and pursue sustainability or zero-waste fashion. And what is your opinion on this? Um, and can you list some examples of eco-friendly approaches in the fashion industry about prints and designers? Okay. Well, you know, um, here are some of the things that, that are happening. Okay. Uh, do you know what dead stock is? dead stock okay. dead stock can you guess I just search it <laughs> okay okay no no, no don't worry you don't have to search it I'll, I'll tell you what it is it's, here's what happens and i know this for a fact because okay so once upon a time when i had my stores that where i sold clothing my own clothing i i had it manufactured here in chicago and i had to order the the fabric you know and i would order a thousand yards of this color, a thousand yards of that color, and blah, blah, blah. And in the contract, uh, they would say that I had to accept either 10% more than a thousand or 10% less than a thousand because it's almost impossible to count out exactly 1,000 yards on a roll. Okay, you're following me so far? Okay, so if I I'm just talking generally. Let's say I used one yard of of, fa of fabric for a top, and I was going to make a, a a thousand tops. Are you following me so far? And I I ha I had eleven 1 hundred yards of that color. What do I do with the extra one hundred yards of clothes that I don't need? I mean, not clothes. I'm sorry. The extra yards of fabric that I don't need. What do I do with them? With that? With that extra fabric, you use it to make more clothes, I guess. 
well, what if I didn't, I didn't want any more clothes in that particular color and that now that I'm just telling you this as a, as a, an example of what happens with many manufacturers, they end up storing a lot of fabric and they don't really know what they're going to do with it. They don't do anything with it. They store it in, in, in warehouses and it's just there. Well, Louis Vuitton, you know, LVMH, do you know that company? Louis Vuitton? Okay. Louis Vuitton decided they had, a, they had interns working at the company who came up with this really great idea that they would take that extra fabric that that is generated each season and they would sell it to young designers so at a seriously reduced price and those designers could then use this extra fabric okay wow, and it's cool. called is yeah it's called nona n-o-n-a source you can look that up nona source and you'll find that um, what they're doing has been just so great, okay? So anytime there's an overage of fabric, instead of just storing it and then eventually throwing it away, okay, you use it and you, you sell it, okay? And just interestingly enough, dead stock, okay, represents 15% of textile production across brands, retailers, factories, mills, this adds up to an annual loss for these companies of $152 billion a year. Isn't it better, yeah. <laughs> right, to use this fabric in some way? So that's what they're doing. And there's another group called the Queen of Raw, the Queen, Q-U-E-E-N of Raw, R-A-W, okay? And another company called Supply Compass and Supply Compass is launching a library of dead stock fabric. So if you're a young designer and you can only afford to buy maybe 10 yards of something, you can you can do that now, whereas before you could not do it. So this is one great way, you know, of many to, yeah, to, to foster this idea of economic sustainability and yeah. environmental sustainability and social sustainability. Did Queen of Raw or Dead or Nona come up on your computer? You yeah. found it? <laughs> it's really great to know like these organizations. Okay, I think we have four questions left. Um, okay. Oh. Do you think luxury fashion is sacrificing integrity at the expense of profit? Well, you know, they may be. I'm not, I, I actually, I'll, I'll tell you, I think that luxury companies can contribute less pollution and less waste, I, I think they actually are better at sustainability than other fashion producers. And I'll tell you why. Thinking about our three pillars, economic, social, and environmental. Luxury good com goods companies don't make a zillion garments, okay? Especially haute couture. They will make one or two garments at a tremendous cost to whoever buys it. But everything in those garments is handmade. So they employ people in the feather business, in the jewelry business, in the textile dyeing business. There are so many people that they employ to make one dress that really it's 
not wasteful. Or let's take leather goods companies like Hermes or Louis Vuitton or any any companies that make high-end suitcases and purses and things like that. These are all handmade items. So the waste is minimal and they employ people. So I really think that the luxury goods uh, sector is probably the least guilty of, of you know, fostering uh, a non-sustainable environment than any companies are, you know, and they also, they offer repairs, you know, like if anything goes wrong on your Chanel bag or your Prada bag or whatever, you can send it back for repairs. Uh, The shoes you can send back for repairs. So no, I think luxury companies, just the way they're set up are less guilty. That's my opinion. What have you done as a customer and designer to pursue zero waste or sustainable fashion? Well, you know, because I'm now in, in jewelry, you know, there's no waste in, in that. I mean, you know, um, the the only thing about that I think jewelers now have a dilemma about are the is the fact that, okay, well, you know all the bad stories, I'm sure, about diamond mining in Africa. I, I mean, okay. And mining in general. So there have been some very ugly things that have gone on to, you know, get people to do this difficult, difficult work of mining for gems. And so now there is a way to create gems and diamonds in laboratories. And that supposedly um, will answer a lot of the social issues you know, which, which will prevent um, all this terrible, these terrible labor disputes and and terrible. Okay. But, but, but is something made in a laboratory, even though it looks the same, is it really the same? And that, that, that is a problem Mm -hmm. for me because you see, like I said, and I'm, I'm a person too, change is hard to me, knowing that your diamond is real. Is it important? Is it less real if it's made in a lab, in a laboratory? Yeah. I don't know. I I don't know. You know, so this is something that I personally struggle with. Mm -hmm. You know, now some people would say, what difference does it make? What difference does it make? But if it didn't make any difference, then then, um, people would use rhinestones or glass and everything. So I I don't know. This is something that I have to deal with as a jeweler. Um, You know, it's not about waste so much as it's about people and labor and uh, like that. So I can't, you know, it's hard for me to answer that question because here I am telling you how to do things. But when it comes to me, I'm not so sure. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So ask me that a year from now, and I'll probably have a better answer as to what I personally am doing. Yeah. Oh, that's a hard situation. It is a hard situation. It really is. Um, um, we have two questions left. Um, oh, and- my goodness. Okay. <laughs> It's so, it's so quick. Time will live so quick. And yeah. And then our next question is, um, how will online shopping change the current scenario of the fashion industry? Well, it's already changed it so much. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, the one great thing about it is the fact that so many companies now can sell their goods without stores. 
without having stores. You know, that company, is it, wait, uh, Shine? Is that what it's called? S-C-H-E-I-N? Yeah. Okay. They they are doing so incredibly well, but they have no stores. Mm-hmm. Oh. Right? Okay. So by not having stores, I mean, right there, you reduce your contribution to pollution and, and environmental damage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's one thing. But then there's this other thing, though. They have to send the garments. So they have mm-hmm. to package them. Mm-hmm. And then that packaging sometimes leads to a lot of waste. So it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, online, I think it's it's terrific in a lot of ways. Yeah. But, you know, truthfully, I like to go to a store. How about you? How about you? Yeah, I like to go in the store and then like I directly see the pieces of clothes and you know smell it exactly. and see it like I exactly. saw. It. Right. So that that's hard. That's that's hard for me. I mean, I'll tell you honestly, I don't think I have ever bought a piece of clothing online ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people do. And like I said, it's probably in a lot of ways better for the environment, although there are some challenges like the packaging and the mail, the shipping and all that stuff. You know, you ship something, it's in a truck or a plane, and then the gasoline that's used, et cetera. See, so you can't really um, eliminate all the problems at this moment, but you can drive. Yeah, there is a joke of like the fashion uh, like of the craft designers that I mm-hmm. met online we like we kind of like get on well with each other and he mm-hmm. said um people are trying to make packaging sustainable but like the only way to make it sustainable is no packaging that's exactly right that's right and yeah. of course that's impossible so yeah. you know true yeah yeah okay I'm so sad to say that this is our last question um oh. Um, before ending or conversations, I would like to ask you, um, what is one piece of advice you would offer to students entering the market? Okay, well, if I can only give one piece, I probably won't be able to do it because as you can tell, I, I like to give a lot of pieces, but I'll try to keep it short, you know. Um, I think that, you know, as I've said before, if you're entering the market and um, you know you really are focused on sustainability, then you have to find the right school for you that offers these kinds of courses and educates you about public policy and yeah. all of those things. Because you know, ultimately, there are going to have to be some laws passed, mm-hmm. and possibly you could be even you know you don't have to go into something that is directly fashion related to work in the world of fashion. Mm-hmm. I didn't, like I told you, there were no degrees in fashion, yeah. but I took my degree in English and I used it to write about fashion. I wrote mm-hmm. books, that was my undergraduate degree. And then I took my degree in psychology and I turned it into the psychology of clothing. Mm-hmm. And I taught a course for many years called the psychology of dress. And it's all about why human beings get dressed and why they feel the need to adorn themselves and beautify themselves and do all these things. So, you know, my advice is that you can do what you like and still contribute to fashion sustainability. 
you could become a lawyer mm -hmm. and you could specialize in laws that have to do with the environment and sustainability, et cetera. Um, you can uh, go to, well, there, here, there's a, uh, an incredible master's program that's called the International Master in Luxury Management. And it's a, a double degree course that is offered in um, the Neoma Business School in, in Milan. And wow. Prada is one of the sponsors of this degree. Oh. Wow. So if you want to go into luxury goods, you know, you can do that. I mean, I think you, you if you want to go into the psychology of fashion, you might take something like anthropology, mm -hmm. which tells you about human habits and how mm -hmm. they develop. And mm -hmm. then you can use that knowledge to teach people about sustainability so yeah. there are many many things that you can do and i think that consumers are becoming much more aware and young consumers as we said before are the ones that are going to play the biggest role in changing customer shopping habits mm -hmm. consumer shopping habits they're already using their influence for the better like you oh and, and you know, yeah, yeah yeah and universities and business schools are realizing this and I think that although we have a long way to go, the future is optimistic for sustainability and ethics and fashion. We just have to continue to work at it, I think. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's my that's my advice. And also read a lot. Read a lot because there are some great books out now about sustainability. And I will send you a list that you can give to your listeners. And uh, one of them is called Unraveled. Unraveled. It's a, a book by Maxine Beda, and it's all about the life of a pair of jeans, a pair of blue jeans. Oh. And it's really cool. And I, I've got a bunch of other books that I'll, I'll send you to. Yeah. Oh, I love your advice. And uh, like a lot of people in my in my club, like, for example, they do public relations for a program. And they think that like, um, I think that they, they said to me that in the future, I don't work in the fashion industry, but I still love fashion. And I think whenever they hearing your advice, they will like think in another way. Like I love the way that you advise people to pursue what they love and use what they learn to like to pursue what they love. And like, that's really amazing. That, that's yeah. really important. You know, you love to write, become a, a fashion journalist. Yeah. You know, so do what you like and then use it for to help, you know, to assist in what you think is important. That, that's the key. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And oh, I, I, like, I have to say thank you because like, thank you for spending time talking with me. It's just been an amazing and inspiring talk. Like, oh, I, I get inspired a lot and like, I love your advice. I love your speech and yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> well, I have a question to ask you before I let you go because you should probably go to back to bed because you're not feeling all that well. But um, where can I, how can I listen to this podcast ultimately? How, how can I hear it? I will post it like... I will post it into Spotify and I will, I will send you the link. Okay, great. Yeah, that's terrific. And do you think, you know, did you think of putting it maybe on LinkedIn? Because that's where we met. Oh uh, yeah. I think I will post it on LinkedIn too. I will share, share yeah, the link. I think that would be good. 
And then, of course, now that you're a member of Fashion Forward on Facebook, you can post it there. That's more than amazing. Yeah. And don't forget to say who you are and everything because, you know, you should start promoting yourself. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. It was so much fun to talk to you. I loved it. Yeah, I love it too. I love our conversations. I love you. I love your book too. Oh, everything is great. You know what? Anytime you want to Zoom, just tell me and we can Zoom. Okay? It's wonderful. Okay. All right. And good night. It's late for you. I know it's late. So go to sleep and get better and I'll check on you. Okay? Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. And that is the end of our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, thank you, Miss Bay, for spending time attending this conversation. This has been so amazing.